Writing the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Nasrihil Aziz stated, Today the Jalsa Salana Qadiyan has commenced, and in various other countries in Africa the Jalsa Salana is being held as well. May Allah the Almighty bless the Jalsa in every respect which are being held in all these countries. Inshallah, the other countries of Africa where the Jalsa is being held will also participate in the address that will be delivered for the Jalsa Salana in Qadiyan on Sunday, which is the last day of the Jalsa. There are seven or eight countries and we will also try to connect them here live through MTA. In any case, as people in these various countries have gathered together and will be listening to this sermon as well, and a particular atmosphere has been created in order to listen to it attentively, I have thus deemed it appropriate to relate in the words of the Promised Messiah which mention the purpose of his advent and also the purpose for establishing the Jamaat and it also mentions the various advice which the Promised Messiah has given us. Many of those who have recently joined Ahmadiyyat and also the young generation of Ahmadis will be attending these jalsas as well, who will not have received this guidance in the words of the Promised Messiah And so it is important for them to be aware of this as well, so that they can strive, particularly during these days, in order to increase in their faith, conviction, sincerity and devotion, and to seek the help of Allah the Almighty in order to realize the purpose of the advent of the Promised Messiah and also to understand their responsibilities. In relation to the purpose of establishing the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and why the establishment in this era was necessary, mentioning this, the Promised Messiah states, How blessed is this era that God Almighty, out of His sheer grace, has desired to provide support for Islam during such turbulent times in order to demonstrate the greatness of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And thus, through support from the unseen and owing to His grace, He established this movement. I would ask those who possess heartfelt pain for Islam and have some respect and regard for it in their hearts to tell me a time when Islam has experienced such abuse and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and the Holy Qur'an have been insulted to such extent. The Promised Messiah further states, I am also extremely saddened and experience heartfelt anguish at the condition of the Muslims. At times, 
I become restless due to this pain that the Muslims do not have the slightest sentiment to feel this humiliation. Did Allah the Almighty not desire any respect for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and that despite so much abuse and profanity levelled against him, he would still not establish a heavenly movement? And would he not spread the grandeur and purity of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, throughout the world by silencing the opponents of Islam? And would he not do this despite the fact that he and his angels send salutations upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? Thus, at this time when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is being dishonoured, it was necessary that he invoke this salutation upon him. And Allah the Almighty has indeed done this through the establishment of this community. Thus, it is our responsibility who have accepted the promised Messiah and have entered this community that we are not to only reform our own moral conditions but also send salutations, i.e. durood upon the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Especially in these days, there should be a special attention towards reciting durood. When we send durood upon the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as much as we can, then we will be fulfilling the objective which the promised Messiah mentioned for establishing the honour and grandeur of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Furthermore, stating the purpose of his advent, the promised Messiah says, God sent me to establish the lost grandeur of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and to demonstrate the truths of the Holy Quran to the world. All of this work is taking place, but those whose eyes are covered cannot see. This movement is shining bright like the sun, and there are so many people who are witnesses to its signs, that if these signs are all gathered in one place, they will outnumber the troops of any emperor's army. The jalsas that are being held today across various countries of the world, and the thousands of Ahmadis participating, are also one of these signs. The Promised Messiah states, There are so many signs for the truthfulness of this movement that it is difficult to even mention them all. Since Islam was severely dishonoured, therefore God Almighty demonstrated the greatness of Islam just as emphatically. Then the Promised Messiah further states, This era also calls for a spiritual battle. The war with Satan has commenced, and Satan is attacking the fortress of Islam with all his weapons and schemes, and he desires to defeat Islam. However, the Promised Messiah states, And however, God Almighty has established this community in this era in order to defeat Satan once and for all, in this last battle of his. Hence, this draws the attention of every Ahmadi to their responsibilities. The Promised Messiah further states, Blessed are those who recognize it, for now there only remains a limited time in which one can receive blessings. Soon the time will come when God Almighty will illuminate the truth of this movement brighter than the sun, that will be a time when accepting faith will not be a means of spiritual reward and the doors to repentance shall close upon them. Whoever accepts me now must start a great fight against their inner self. They will see that at times they will have to leave their family and efforts will be made to obstruct their worldly pursuits. They will receive verbal abuse and cursing but they will be rewarded by God Almighty for all of these things. The Promised Messiah further continues, But when the other era will come, and the world will be as forcefully inclined to this movement as water falls from a high mount, that is, when the era of success will come, and when no denier will be found, then what will be the worth of affirmation at such a time? In other words, what sort of acceptance will it be at such a time? Accepting in that time will not be a courageous act. In fact, reward is always given in times of pain and discomfort. The Promised Messiah then further states, 
When Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu accepted the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he gave up his authority in Makkah. Yet, God Almighty granted him a great kingdom in the earth. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu then carried the mantle of humility and did so in the manner akin to the Persians saying that we have set sail in the water and whatever is destined will come to pass. When Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu accepted the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Whilst personifying this saying, did God Almighty withhold any part of the reward due to him? Certainly not. If man makes even the slightest of efforts for God, they do not leave this world without first being rewarded. However, the condition is to make an effort first. It is mentioned in a hadith that when a man walks towards God, God runs to him. Faith is believing in something that is unseen. A person who spots the crescent moon is considered to have a sharp eye. That is to say, if one sees the moon in its first phase, they will be considered to have sharp eyesight. But a person who makes a clamour over spotting a full moon is considered crazy. Thus, fortunate are those who are accepting the promised Messiah today and receiving the love of Allah the Almighty after facing opposition. Then, whilst explaining that it is insufficient to merely profess acceptance, rather the real purpose is to bring about a pious change within oneself and to tread on the path of Tawheed, i.e. the oneness of God, and it is only then that one becomes the recipient of His grace. In relation to this, the Promised Messiah states, One who searches for Allah the Almighty, purely out of fear of Him, and prays for the difficulties to be resolved in this matter. Then, according to the law of God Almighty, That is, and as for those who strive in our path, we will surely guide them in our ways. In accordance to this, Allah the Almighty Himself takes hold of their hand and shows them the path and grants their satisfaction at heart. However, if their heart is already filled with darkness, if prayer is cumbersome on their tongue, and if their beliefs are contaminated with shirk and innovations, then what kind of prayer is it? And what kind of plea is it that is done in order to bring about a good outcome? Until one closes the doors to all unlawful paths and hopes with a pious heart, sincerity and earnestness and extends their hand towards God Almighty, they will never be worthy of receiving the aid and support of God Almighty. However, when they fall at the threshold of Allah the Almighty and pray to Him alone, then this state of theirs will attract the help and mercy and Allah the Almighty can see the depth of a person's heart from the heavens. And if there is even an iota of darkness, shirk or innovation in any part of his heart, then their prayers and worship will be thrown back in their face. But if he sees that their heart is pure of selfish desires and darkness, then he shall open the doors of mercy to them and bring them under his shade and he himself will be responsible for taking care of their needs. The Promised Messiah states, that Allah the Almighty has established this community with His own hands and we see that many people join who have certain objectives. If their objective is met, then it is all good and well, otherwise they are unheedful of their faith and belief. Some people only pledge allegiance for a certain purpose. And further expounding upon this, the Promised Messiah states, the selfish desires are a form of shirk, they place a covering over one's heart. Even if one pledges their allegiance, or he does the bad, it may still cause their stumbling. Our movement requires that one forsakes all selfish desires and they tread the path of perfect unity. They must truly search for the truth, otherwise if there comes any change in that which they desire, then at that time they will see themselves separating. 
Was it for money and wealth that the companions accepted the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? Certainly not. The Promised Messiah further states, if one analyzes the lives of the companions, then they will not even find one such incident, and they never did such a thing. Pledging allegiance to me means to repent, whereas their pledging of allegiance meant being prepared to lose their lives. In other words, the birth of the companions. I have narrated the accounts of the companions for a long period of time in the sermons, in which it was explained as to how they would lay down their lives. On the one hand, they would pledge their allegiance, and on the other hand, they would give up all their wealth, possessions, honour, respect, lives and property, as if they no longer had possession over anything, and their hopes had been cut off from the world, and the desire of any type of respect, honour and authority they had were finished. The Promised Messiah states, the thought did not even cross their minds that they would become rulers and conquerors of lands, Rather, they distanced themselves from any kind of hopes and desires and they were always prepared to endure every pain and suffering in the way of Allah the Almighty with pleasure to the extent that they were ready to even lay down their lives. The Promised Messiah further states that their state was such that they were so cut off from the world but it is a separate matter that Allah the Almighty still granted them His bounties and favours and chose those who sacrificed everything in His path. Then, whilst giving further guidance that the purpose of establishing the community is to establish true unity and love for Allah the Almighty, the Promised Messiah states, What does it mean to love God? It is to give precedence to the pleasure of Allah the Almighty over your parents, partners, children, your own selves, and over everything else. It is stated in the Holy Qur'an, That is, celebrate the praises of Allah as you celebrated the praises of your fathers, or even more than that. It is worth noting that Allah the Almighty did not reveal this injunction so that one calls God Father, Rather, he taught this so that one does not stumble like the Christians, whereby God is called by the name of Father. If one claims that the love is then inferior to that of a father, then this allegation is refuted by the words, O Ashadda Zikra, that is, or even more than that. If, or even more than that, was not present, then such an allegation could stand. But these words have resolved this issue. Thus, this is the love for Allah the Almighty that should be instilled in a believer's heart. A love for God that trumps the love of all worldly ties. We should assess ourselves to see whether we are trying to develop this love within ourselves. And we should assess that do our hearts desire and yearn for this love. Then, whilst further elaborating on this love and its standards, the Promised Messiah states, In order to establish the true unity of God, it is imperative one to fully experience the love of God Almighty. And true love for Allah the Almighty can only be affirmed through action. A matter can never become pleasant and sweet simply by calling it sweet. Nothing can become sweet simply by likening it to sugar. Similarly, the Promised Messiah states that if a person verbally claims to have affinity to another, yet at a time of hardship and need he does not come to the help and aid of his friend, then he is not a true friend. In the same way, to verbally affirm the unity of God Almighty and claim to love Him is of no benefit. In such a matter, one must demonstrate this through his actions instead of making a mere verbal declaration. In no way does this mean that a verbal declaration is not necessary, certainly not. What I mean to say is that a verbal declaration must be affirmed through one's actions. For this reason, it is necessary that one devotes their life to God. That is to say, God Almighty should take precedence over everything 
His commandments should take preference over all other matters, and the faith established by him should be more important than everything else, and his adherents should give precedence to it over all worldly matters. The promised Messiah further states, This is Islam, and this is the very purpose for which I have been sent. Therefore, those who do not approach the spring which God Almighty has established for this grand purpose will remain hapless. If a sincere seeker wishes to achieve his true purpose, then he should advance towards the spring and drink from it. However, this cannot be accomplished without first completely disregarding one's own sense of honour and falling at his divine threshold. One must pledge that even if they lose their eminence in the world and face a mountain of troubles, they will still not leave God. No matter what happens, they will never forsake Allah the Almighty. One must be prepared to offer every sacrifice for the sake of God Almighty. It was Hazrat Ibrahim salam's exemplary sincerity that he was prepared to sacrifice his son. The objective of Islam is to produce many such Ibrahims. Thus, all of you should strive to become like Ibrahim. The Promised Messiah states that I tell you truthfully not to become mere disciples but saints and endeavour to achieve this objective even if the journey is difficult. That is, one should strive to raise their own standards. One should not settle merely as a disciple and follower. Rather, they should take their own rank to that of saints and others should regard them as pious individual who is worthy of being followed. The Promised Messiah further states, Endeavour to achieve this objective even if the journey is difficult. Ultimately, this journey ends in peace and comfort. However, it is necessary that you enter through its doors with minimal load. If you carry a large weight on your head, it will prove very difficult to enter. In other words, this weight is the load of worldly desires and priorities that a person carries whereby the world becomes more important than faith. Thus, the journey becomes difficult. And if one desires to make this journey, then the load of worldly ties which causes one to give precedence to the world over faith must be discarded. If my community wishes to please God, then it should discard this load. You should certainly remember that if you do not demonstrate devotion and sincerity, then you will be considered a liar and not a truthful person in the court of God Almighty. In such circumstances, one who abandons devotion for treachery will be destroyed even before the enemy. God Almighty cannot fall for deception, and nor does anyone have the power to mislead him. Therefore, you must foster true sincerity and honesty. Along with establishing the unity of God, i.e. Tawheed, and instilling love for Allah the Almighty, it is also necessary to develop love for Allah the Almighty's beloved, through whom he imparted the teachings of his Tawheed, i.e. the unity of God. Therefore, whilst explaining the importance of building a relationship with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and establishing his honour and greatness, the Promised Messiah states, Allah the Almighty has established this community so that the prophethood and honour of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, can be re-established. The Promised Messiah presents the examples of those who are absorbed in veneration and pray at the tombs of saints, and yet they claim to also be absorbed in their love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, while they label us as disbelievers. They proclaim that, God forbid, Ahmadis are guilty of dishonouring the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In reference to such people, the Promised Messiah states, If one declares his love for someone, yet there are thousands of others whom he loves the same, then what distinguishes his declaration of love from the others? If a lover declares his love, yet he has many other beloveds, then what is special about the one to whom he has declared his love? The Promised Messiah states that if these people are truly devoted in their love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, i.e. those who claim that they love the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then why do they pray at thousands of shrines and tombs? They devote themselves to many shrines and give offerings, offer prayers, and in fact they also fall to prostration. The Promised Messiah states, they travel to Medina, 
but they also travel to Ajmer and other shrines with their heads uncovered and feet bare. They consider a visit to Pak Patan and to walk through its doors enough to attain salvation. Some have erected a flag, while others have adopted other methods. And a Muslim shudders at the sight of their gatherings and events, wondering what they have undertaken. These practices are very common in the subcontinent in India and Pakistan. The promised Messiah further states, If God Almighty did not have any honour for Islam and had himself not declared inna deena indallah Islam, that surely the true religion with Allah is Islam, and if he had not stated that inna nahnu nazzalna dhikra wa inna lahu lahafizun, that verily we ourselves have sent down this exhortation and most surely we will be its guardian, then Islam would surely have been destroyed today. On the contrary, Allah the Almighty's honour manifested and his promise of mercy and protection demanded that someone in the reflection of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, be raised and re-establish his prophethood in this era. Thus, God established this community and raised me as a prophet and the Mahdi. The promised Messiah states that he has been raised as a prophet and the Mahdi. Therefore, it is our responsibility to clearly distinguish ourselves from all others and to demonstrate extraordinary standards of love for God and for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It is only then that we will be able to fulfill our pledge of allegiance. We must try to continuously glorify God and invoke blessings upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Then, whilst reminding us to try and develop sincerity and devotion the likes of the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the promised Messiah states, since God Almighty established this community and has manifested thousands of signs in its support, he intended to make this community like that of the companions and bring about the best of centuries. Those who enter this community also become among the akhirina minhum, i.e. those who appear in the latter days. And so they should abandon their false practices. In other words, to become an Ahmadi, one must rid themselves of all such false practices and turn their full focus towards Allah the Almighty. The promised Messiah states, they should defy the age of darkness, i.e. the age of misguidance. Islam has passed through three eras. The first was the enlightened three centuries, followed by the period of misguidance regarding which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, that the people of that period are not of me, nor am I of them. And the third era is that of the promised Messiah, which is connected to the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In fact, this era can be considered as the era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him himself. Even if the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had not mentioned the era of darkness, we possess the Holy Quran which states, وَآخَرِينَ مِنْهُمْ لَمَّا يَلْحَقُوا بِهِمْ And this clearly demonstrates that there will be a time that will not resemble that of the companions. In other words, the people of that era will not follow the practice of the companions. And history tells us that during that period of a thousand years, Islam faced great challenges and hardship. The religion began to decay and except for a select few, the majority had left Islam. As a result, many sects like Mu'tazila and those who rejected the divine law emerged. The promised Messiah states, I admit that there has never been an era that has been deprived of the blessings of Islam. However, the number of saints and pious people during this middle period was extremely low. Due to this, they were unable to stand against the hundreds and thousands of people who were misguided from the right path and had left Islam. Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, through his insight as a prophet, saw into that time and named it the period of misguidance. However, now Allah the Almighty has decided to bring about a large number of people who will be counted amongst the companions. Nonetheless, because the laws of nature established by God Almighty decree that such a community of people can only see gradual progress, my community will also progress slowly, similar to a crop. Just as a crop slowly grows and flourishes, so too will this community. And its purpose and objective can be likened to a seed that has been planted in the earth. The lofty objectives and the lofty purposes that Allah the Almighty desires for this community are far away. And they cannot be reached until this community develops the excellence that Allah the Almighty has willed for it. 
one's declaration of the unity of God, i.e. Tawheed, should be in an excellent manner, and their devotion to Allah and practice of remembering Him should be extraordinary, and they should fulfill the rights of their brethren in a manner that is exceptional. Thus, these are the objectives we must strive to accomplish, and only then can we witness the progression of our community. Then, whilst drawing our attention to pay particular focus on the recitation of the Holy Qur'an and to carefully ponder over it, the promised Messiah states, one ought to remember that the Holy Qur'an has conferred a favour upon the earlier divine scriptures and prophets by portraying their teachings in an intellectual manner, whereas previously they were presented as mere tales. I truly say that no one can attain salvation from these tales and stories until they read the Holy Qur'an. This is because it is the Holy Qur'an alone that occupies the lofty status of being innahu laqawlun faslun wa ma huwa bilhazl. That is, it is surely a decisive word and it is not a useless talk. It is a balance, a guardian, a light, a means of cure and a mercy. And those who read the Holy Qur'an and deem it to be a mere tale, they have not truly read the Holy Qur'an. In fact, they have dishonoured it. Why have our opponents become so extreme in their opposition? This is because we seek to demonstrate that the Holy Qur'an, just as Allah the Almighty has stated, is filled with spiritual light, wisdom and insight. However, they seek to reduce the importance of the Holy Qur'an as being nothing more than mere tales. We cannot allow this. Out of His sheer grace, God Almighty has revealed to me that the Holy Qur'an is a living and lustrous book, Hence, we do not give any consideration to their opposition. Thus, I have repeatedly advised those who have forged a bond with me that God Almighty has established this community in order to reveal the truths which we can only derive through the Holy Qur'an. And we can only understand this through the Holy Qur'an. Without this, all of one's actions in life are completely devoid of spiritual light and radiance. I desire to reveal the qualities of Islam to the world through its practical truths and I have been appointed by God for this very purpose. Therefore read the Holy Qur'an extensively, but not as mere tales, but rather as a philosophy. Therefore, every Ahmadi ought to ponder over the meanings of the Holy Qur'an and its commentary. Then, whilst drawing attention towards virtuous deeds and what defines a virtuous deed, the Promised Messiah states, In the Holy Qur'an, Allah the Almighty has prescribed righteous deeds along with faith. An action is considered righteous when it is free from all blemishes. Always remember that there are always thieves that go after one's actions. Who are they? i.e. the thieves. They are ostentation. In other words, when one performs an action to show others. Showing pride after carrying out a deed and similarly many other types of vices and sins which one commits. These are all considered as thieves, and they invalidate one's deeds. Righteous deeds are those which are free from even the mere thought of injustice, pride, ostentation, arrogance, and usurping the rights of others. Just as one can be safeguarded due to their righteous deeds in the hereafter, similarly one can be safeguarded through them in this world as well. Even if one person in the household carries out righteous deeds, the entire household is saved. Remember that until one does not carry out righteous deeds, their faith is of no benefit. A physician writes a prescription, and it means that whatever has been prescribed therein ought to be taken. However, if one fails to use those medications and just keeps the prescription, then it will have no benefit. And so it is our duty to act upon the advice of the Promised Messiah And this is important, otherwise there is no benefit of one's bad. The Promised Messiah further states, You have sought repentance at this moment in time. Now God Almighty wants to see how much you will purify yourself through this repentance. The time has come in which God Almighty wishes to make righteousness a distinguishing factor. Many people harbour complaints against God Almighty, yet they do not look within themselves. It is the injustices of one's own doings, otherwise God Almighty is benevolent and merciful. There are some individuals who are aware of sin, yet there are other individuals who are oblivious to it. For this very reason, God Almighty has ordained the recitation of istighfar by seeking forgiveness.
one does not know when they might say something that will be counted as a sin. Hence, one should recite istighfar for every sin, whether that sin is visible or concealed, whether they have knowledge of that sin or not. Similarly, they should recite istighfar for sins committed by their hands, feet, tongue, nose, ear, eyes. These days you should recite the prayer of Adam salam, which is Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna min al-khasirin That our Lord, we have wronged ourselves, and if Thou forgive us not and have not mercy on us, we shall surely be of the lost. This prayer has been accepted from its inception. Thus, do not live your life heedlessly. A person who does not live heedlessly should have no worry for him to be placed in a great trial. No trial befalls an individual were it not for the will of God, just as the prayer has been revealed to me, Rabbi kullu shayin khadimuka, Rabbi fahfazni wansurni warhamni. The Promised Messiah salam, advised to also recite this prayer as well. The Promised Messiah salam, then further states, and remember that wisdom comes about through the purification of the soul. The more one purifies the soul, the sharper one's intellectual faculties become, and the angel stands before such an individual and helps him. However, the mind of one who leads a life of sin can never be illuminated. Thus, adopt righteousness, for God is with you, and remain with the righteous, so that you may understand the true reality of righteousness. This is my objective, and this is what I desire to establish in the world. The Promised Messiah further states that our Jamaat should always keep this advice in mind, that they should remain mindful of what I say. I always reflect on the fact that worldly relationships are formed on the basis of beauty, family, wealth or power. However, Allah the Almighty does not have any concern for this, for He has clearly stated, Inna akramakum in that verily the most honourable among you in the sight of Allah is He who is most righteous among you. God shall only save those who are righteous and will destroy the rest. The Promised Messiah states that this is a very delicate juncture and it is not possible that both a righteous and evil person remain in the same place. Certainly it can only be the righteous who remains standing and the evil one shall be destroyed. Since it is only God who knows who is righteous, Therefore, one ought to be greatly concerned. Fortunate are those who are righteous, and unfortunate is he who is at distant from God. Hence, we should always strive to seek forgiveness and repentance, and to seek refuge in Allah the Almighty, and to be safeguarded from Satan. The Promised Messiah states, After entering this community, you should become a completely new being, and live a new life where you are completely different from what you previously were. Do not think that you will be left in need after making this change in the way of Allah or that you will begin to have many opponents. One who holds fast to the Almighty is never left in need and never experiences days of ill fate. When God Almighty befriends someone and becomes his helper, then such an individual has no concern even if the entire world becomes his enemy. If ever trouble befalls a believer, he never suffers. Rather, those days are days of bliss and paradise, and the angels of God Almighty take him into their lap like a mother. God Almighty himself becomes his protector and helper, and God is he who possesses power over everything. He is the knower of the unseen and is the ever-living and all-sustaining. Can anyone be afflicted with hardship who holds fast to God? Certainly not. God Almighty saves His true servants in such times in such a manner that the world is left astonished. Was the world not astonished when Prophet Ibrahim was put in the fire and he came out alive? Was Prophet Noah and his followers being saved from the flood an ordinary event? Indeed, there are countless such examples and in this present era, God Almighty has manifested the signs of His power. A murder case was filed against me and a very prominent priest who is a doctor was the plaintiff and the Arya and other Muslims helped him. However, in the end, what came to pass was what God had decreed, and my innocence was confirmed. Allah the Almighty removed these charges and granted the Promised Messiah honour. May Allah the Almighty enable us to live our lives according to the advice and desire of the Promised Messiah 
and may we truly bring about a pure change in our lives. The participants of the Jalsa in Qadiyan and in whichever other countries the Jalsas are taking place should especially spend their time praying. They should pray that may Allah the Almighty enable them to fulfill the due rights of our bath. Similarly, every Ahmadi in the world should ponder whether they are fulfilling the expectations of the Promised Messiah has from us and the expectations that he had from the Jamaat. If we are not fulfilling this, then we must continually strive and pray for this. May Allah the Almighty give us all the opportunity to do this. I shall now mention the details of some deceased members. Among these funerals, one of them is present here. Has the funeral arrived? The funeral which is present here is of Fazal Ahmad Dogar Sahib, who was serving in Jami Ahmadiyya UK. He was the son of Chaudhary Allah Ditta Dogar Sahib. He passed away on 21st December at the age of 75. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. The deceased was a Musi and he leaves behind his wife, Uzma Fazal Sahiba, four sons and three daughters. Fazal Dogar Sahib came to the UK in 1992 and initially did his own work, but in 1999 he dedicated his life for work and presented his services to Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV. Rahimahullah. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV rahimahullah, graciously accepted his work and he had the opportunity to personally serve Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV rahimahullah, for a long time. Thereafter, I appointed him in Jamia Hamdiya, UK, and he carried out various duties and was then appointed as the in charge of his library, and he continued to serve in this role until his demise. Fazal Dogar Sahib played a very important role in setting up and preparing the library in Jamia Hamdiya. He also scanned and did the binding of all the editions of the Review of Religions which were published in the time of the Promised Messiah, and placed them in the library. Similarly, he also scanned the original editions of the Ruhani Khazain and prepared its copies. His children mentioned that it was a great desire of his that his children always remain attached with Khilafat and show obedience to it. He would say that one can never retire from the service of Jamaat and Waqf means to serve till one's last breath and he would ask me to pray for him that he be granted the opportunity to serve till his last breath. And indeed, Allah the Almighty accepted this wish of his. And two days prior to going to the hospital, he continued serving by going to the library. Hafiz Mashud Sahib, who is serving as a teacher in Jamia, writes, If it was said that Fazal Dogar Sahib truly loved Khilafat and was loyal and ready to sacrifice his life for it, then there is no exaggeration in this whatsoever. He states, Fazal Dogar Sahib was a true life devotee and we always saw him looking after and maintaining the library of Jami Ahmadiyya UK as if it was like his own child. He would find old manuscripts and scan them and then beautifully have them bound and would then display them in the library. Undoubtedly, it is through his tireless efforts that the library of Jami Ahmadiyya UK has a collection of more than 25,000 books and this was done despite extremely limited resources. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV Rahimahullah also mentioned him in the sermon which he delivered on the occasion of the demise of my father, Hazrat Sahib Zada Mirza Mansur Ahmad Sahib. And Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV Rahimahullah expressed his gratitude to Fazal Dogar Sahib and also praised his work. He always served in the Jalsa duties. He served in Jalsa duties with me as well in Rabwa. And I always saw him working with great effort and he would work day and night without any concern for anything else. His son-in-law, Shahid Iqbal Sahib, who is Sadaq Udamil in Switzerland, or perhaps served previously, he says that whenever I spoke to him, he would always ask whether I had offered my Salat, and he would always advise on offering Salat, and would draw particular attention towards this. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy, and may he enable his progeny to always remain attached with the Jamaat and Khilafat. The second funeral is in absentia and is of Malik Mansoor Ahmad Umar Sahib who was a missionary in Rabwa. He passed away recently 
at the age of 80, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiyoon. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was a Musi. He graduated from Jamia Ahmadiyya in 1970 and he also passed the Mawlvi Fazil exam in Arabic. From 1971 to 1973 he studied at Namal University in Islamabad where he attained a diploma in German language. He initially served in various places in Pakistan and then in January 1974 he was appointed to serve as a missionary in Germany. He stayed there for approximately a year and a half and then returned to Pakistan where he served in various places. Then in October 1983 he was appointed to serve in Germany once again where he had the opportunity to serve as the Amir and missionary in charge till 1986. During this period of service he would teach the German language to the Ahmadis who were arriving in Germany on asylum and he would also assist them as well. He also served in the Rishtanata department and he also taught German language in Jamia. His total duration of service as a Vakf spans approximately 46 years. One of his daughters is Faiza Rais, who is the wife of Anis Rais Saib, missionary in charge in Japan. And one of his sons is Sabao Zafar Malik, who is a missionary. He has other children as well. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy. The third funeral is of respected Isa Joseph Saib, who was serving as a Muallim in the Gambia. His funeral is also in absentia. He recently passed away in December at the age of 61. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. The Naibamir and missionary in charge of the Gambia writes that he was an extremely successful preacher. Although he did not graduate from Jamia Ahmadiyya, However, he was completely devoted to the Jamaat. He would always be ready to serve like a soldier and he would often say that he was a humble servant of the Promised Messiah army and was ready to fulfill any instruction given by the Jamaat. During the Jalsa and other Jamaat programs, he would always be with his Jamaat members and would help answer their questions and provide them moral training. He further states that he would always admire the sacrifices rendered by the Ahmadis from Pakistan and would always pray for them and respect them. He had a very special bond with Khilafat and he would write for prayers and when he would receive its replies, he would very lovingly mention this. He also instilled the love for Khilafat amongst his children and would also advise them to write to the Khalifa of the time. Sayyid Sayyid Sahib is a missionary currently serving in Sierra Leone and had previously served in the Gambia. He says that the deceased was born in Senegal, however moved to the Gambia after completing his education in order to work. He taught French at the Nasir Ahmadiyya Secondary School and it was during this time that he accepted Ahmadiyyat and he continued to excel in his loyalty and sincerity. In 1997, upon the instruction of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih rahimahullah, all of the central staff of the Jamaat had to leave the Gambia and the deceased was appointed as the principal of the Nasir Ahmadiyya Secondary School. He served in this role in an outstanding manner and later he was made an area missionary and he continued to serve in this post till his demise. Through the efforts of Isa Joseph Sahib, many people entered the fold of Ahmadiyyat. He had a lot of religious knowledge and he acquired all of this knowledge through his personal study. He had very good relations with non-Ahmadis and therefore many of the chief Imams of the local areas respected him greatly. If anyone ever tried to oppose or create mischief against the Ahmadis in any area, then some of these locals who were good-natured people would come to defend and the opponents would be silenced. He further writes that one of his qualities was that he was very knowledgeable. He had read extensively, as I mentioned earlier, and he had a deep understanding of the Jamaat's literature. He also had the opportunity to deliver a speech on several occasions at Jalsa Salana, and he also wrote many articles in Jamaat publications. Humility and meekness was among his main qualities. He also possessed very sound opinion and would always be consulted in important matters and his suggestion would often prove to be the correct one. 
He was regular in offering his tahajjud prayer and devoted to worship. He would often experience true dreams and whenever anyone would request him for prayers, he would always advise them to first write to the Khalifa of the time requesting for prayers and then he would also pray for them as well. A missionary of the Gambia, Masood Sahib says that he had great passion for tabligh. He would travel for many hours in order to visit far-off villages. He was extremely courteous and always smiling. Whether he was experiencing happiness or sadness or if he was ill or worried, he would always be smiling. He would meet everyone with a smile on his face. He would meet everyone in such a warm and friendly manner that the other person would feel as if he was his only friend. He was very compassionate, gentle and kind. He would never speak ill about anyone and nor interfere in anyone else's matter. He would show utmost obedience to his superiors and he looked after his subordinates and gave them courage. Whenever someone wanted to get in contact with him, they would find out that in his spare time he would be out doing tabligh. He would have Quranic verses, a hadith of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and quotes of the Promised Messiah and the Khulafa related to tabligh and tarbiyat, and also the pictures of the Khulafa on his WhatsApp status, and would update these daily, and he would also send them to his Ahmadi and non-Ahmadi contacts. He had a great passion for tabligh. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy and enable his children to continue his good deeds. And as I mentioned earlier, that I shall offer the funeral prayers after the Friday prayer, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, 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 وَنَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ وَيَنْهَانِ الْفَاشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغِيِ يَعِزُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ اُذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ يَذْكُرْكُمْ وَذْمُوهَ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ